In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday! Happy Friday! (laughs) Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's getting me through this week is a video game, obviously. Um, I have been playing a lot of Roblox with my daughter. Um, Roblox is um, a video game. It is kind of Minecrafty looking in that like the graphics are, are really basic and it's um, got these kind of funny looking blocky figures. Um, but what makes it interesting is that all the games are created by like users on the platform so it's like this really interesting environment where you load up roblox and then you have like tons of different games that are available to you that you can play um so it's it's been really entertaining because i only play with my daughter i don't play on my own just because you know it's kind of interesting but i'm finding it way more enjoyable to play with my kids um and so the two of us you know she she got me on these games that are like platformers and stuff where you're jumping around place to place. Um, but then we started playing this paintball game together, which has been really fun um, and kind of surprising because when I started playing it with her, it's basically Call of Duty with paintball, which is <laughs> kind of weird. Um, but she really likes it. And she also kind of hates that her dad is better at it than her right now. But give it time, I'm sure. Um, but it's been really fun and I've really enjoyed it. And... I love that we can kind of just have fun and talk trash to each other, and it's a really fun time. So there we go. You can console her that most dads are bad at video games. True, although some of the games she's really good at, and she kicks my butt. So it's like it's <laughs> kind of an even balance. Yeah, my daughter's gotten very good at, at Super Smash Brothers in like a matter of like days after starting to play it. It's weird. I didn't think she was old enough for Super Smash Brothers. Oh my gosh! Well, if, here's the thing, and well, we're gonna get, I guess, get the introductions here more in a bit. But, <laughs> but uh, you don't know who you're talking. Who's talking? Um, but so she got really good at like Splatoon too, and like, and so I didn't want to hear her to play Super Smash Brothers because it was like kind of fighty, and I didn't think she was maybe old enough for that. But like, with all, she got really into Splatoon, and that's pretty much people knock each other out with large paintbrushes. So I'm like, well. Super Smash Brothers would probably be okay, you know, if she's gotten used to, like, knocking people out. Um, and it's got, like, all her favorite characters and stuff, so she digs that, it. That's what got me with the paintball, because at first I was like, oh, it's kind of a paintball game. And then all of a sudden my daughter's dropping down a paintball turret. And I'm like, this is different. <laughs> so, And then you have a drone that can follow you that shoots paint, too. And I'm like, okay, this is different. But... um but yeah, she lo- her and her friends play it too, which is fun. So I think that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about it, but still. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm Brian Truitt. 
Hi. Um, I watch movies, and what's getting me through this week is revisiting the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is celebrates 45 years today in America. Um, it's it's an interesting, you know, kind of. Brett just had like a like a a, kid, a father a father kid tale, and so do I with this. So in the early 80s, when we first got like a VHS. Um, my dad, my dad, my dad was always like rock and roll and stuff. So we wa- we were watching some show. It was like a rock and roll show. It was like two hours or something. It was one of the things we taped when we first got a VHS. And one of them was the Time Warp, like the music video from the Time Warp from from Rocky Horror. And like I didn't know any of that. I like I felt I felt like it was something like I probably shouldn't be watching because it was like people in weird clothing and you know like some states of undress. Th- you know, thanks Tim Curry. Um, so. But it was always something like I liked it, and my dad did. My dad went to like to a like to a midnight showing of it. But this was before like it was really mainstream. This was still when it was kind of a cult thing, and so I've always kind of felt a connection to it because of that. And it's just it's it's a really neat little movie, you know. It's it's it it deals with sexuality in a way that a lot of movies didn't in the seventies, free you know freely. Um, it, it's got really good performances. The songs kick. Tim Curry's great, and I feel like you know there's been there's been times like with the Glee episode and the Fox Live thing that that Rocky Horror's kind of been back into the mainstream. But there's nothing like the original movie. The original movie. There's, I mean, that's it's one of the greatest musicals, and it's one of the greatest musical movies for my for my money there ever has been. Um, I thoroughly agree. I also saw that movie with my dad when I was too young. It was weird. Just <laughs> I can imagine seeing the whole movie. The whole the movie, like when I was, if I was a kid, it was like that would be a whole other thing. Like one little music videos, you know. Even but, but even then, it was just like I should. I don't know if I should be watching this. <laughs> so there was like a cool kind of forbidden quality to it. But you know, my dad shouldn't be way too much. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't have been watching at that age anyway. Um. I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television. And uh, what's getting me through this week is that we broke in the projector and screen setup that I got my husband for our anniversary because he really misses movie theaters. And so we did an outdoor movie night and watched Die Hard 2, which was very silly and fun. And um, even though I have moved from uh, Virginia and the Washington, D.C. area, I do enjoy a movie that takes place there that makes literal no geographical sense. Like this movie that took place at Washington Dulles Airport, which is located in Virginia, but was somehow under. But, you know, John McClane broke a bunch of Washington, D.C. laws while in this airport. <laughs> <laughs> Among other hilarious things, including this tiny church that apparently is right next to Washington Dulles. Isn't that the movie where at the end he there's a plane taking off and he lights he ignites some flame and it somehow gets on the ground and catches the plane and blows the plane up? Yes, yes it is. That always got me. I thought that was the most ridiculous like Yeah. Concept and our ever. friend of the podcast, William Sadler, uh, is the villain. Yes. And I was like, I'm Bad glad guy. I yeah. talked to him before I saw his partially naked scene in Die Hard Two, where he's doing calisthenics in the nude. That was interesting. Um, but it was really fun. And, um, it, if you have the space and the financial ability, it did slightly recreate the cinema experience, which is hard to come by these days. So it was really, um, it was cheaper than getting a bigger TV, but it wasn't cheap. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, this, if this is your first time listening to the pod, welcome. Uh, new episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. Um, while you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show, because you not only help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, but as a bonus, we give you a special shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. We love the feedback. We really want to hear what you think. It's all upside for you. Uh, don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can email us, MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Uh, let's get to the main topic. Here's a clip. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing. And she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes. The famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. And now that. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. We'll make her acceptable for society. She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Anola. Yours or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. If I have to stay hidden from my brothers, I must become something unexpected. That was from Netflix's new film, Enola Holmes, which is now streaming. The movie introduces Sherlock's spunky teen sister into the story Detective Screen Legacy, played by Stranger Things breakout Millie Bobby Brown. Sherlock is here, too, played by Superman himself, Henry Cavill, and also his brother Mycroft, played by Hunger Games alum Sam Claflin. It's set in 1884, and it's based on Nancy Springer's young adult books. Um, The movie follows Enola as she has her own adventures and mysteries to solve, even if her brothers want her to be a proper lady instead. Um, Brian, you've already seen the film. What did you think of it? I saw it a long time ago. I I had done actually uh, a first look, I think in like July, July or August. And like, I saw the movie back then. So I feel like, (laughs) I feel like it's been on my radar for, for a a very long time. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I think it, it, you know, we've seen a lot of Sherlock's, you know, on TV and film and we'll get into that. Um, but it's kind of cool to, to see, not only kind of different Sherlock, but a different Holmes where it's, you know, she's, she's, it's not like it's like some weird female reboot of like young Sherlock Holmes from our childhood or anything. This is like a real fleshed out character that's very different, very quirky. You know, she's 16. She, I mean, she's really good at finding clues and solving, solving mysteries and things like that. But that's less to do with Sherlock being in her life because he really hasn't been. It's more to do with, you know her her eccentric mom, who's played by Helena Bonham Carter, and you know her and her homeschooling that involves like you know jujitsu and indoor tennis and knocking stuff around the house and you know reading every book in, in the library. So it's it's there's a quirkiness to her that that comes more from her mom than than her brothers, and you know she she feels like she's a very different character than Sherlock, but she's still very she's still a good action heroine. You know, she's still, you know, very empowered in this. It's 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 kind of cool to see a character that's 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 probably going to have a franchise that is that is it's not an adult playing a teenage role like we've seen before. I I like him to, to, in my review to it's just like Tom Holland Spider Man where it's it, you know Millie Bobby Brown is sixteen and so is Anola Holmes so it, she feels authentically young 
but and but still kind of intrepid. There's an intrepidness to her, and you know, when there there's a love interest, but it's not like hot and heavy. It's kind of like weirdly flirty, but you know, kind of she doesn't really have time for that. She's got to solve some mysteries and stuff. And find her mom and things like that. So, so I, I really respect the fact that like it's giving kids something new that is that's kind of that's kind of a spinoff in a way of something we know, but still it's very much like she feels original, even though parts of her that are you know in her orbit aren't as original. If that makes any sense. So, Henry Cavill plays Sherlock, which I'm still kind of trying to process, but. Um... How is he in the role? Is that does it actually work? Yeah, actually, he does. I mean, it's it's interesting because you know, again, we'll deal with the sh- other Sherlock's, but you know, Sherlock is is kind of like has a reputation for being kind of cold and calculating and kind of not heartless, but just like emotions aren't a big deal for him. You know, he's got again, he's got better things to do. Um, but this is interesting because he starts out kind of a, you know the Henry Cavill Sherlock kind of starts out that way. The fact that like he hasn't seen his kid sister pretty much since he was really really young and hasn't been kind of bothered to do so but yet there is a there's a heart to him that we haven't seen in a lot of Sherlock's there's a warmth that that being around Enola and kind of like helping Enola kind of go to the next level in her super sleuthdom you know that that kind of comes out and he and he kind of warms up over the course of the movie and that's kind of interesting to see because I think I think Henry Cavill can really play that um, well, and it's it's interesting because you know a lot of Sherlock's are aren't really bruising types, and he's you know the Witcher. He's Superman. He looks like a Sherlock that could whoop some, <laughs> but yet he doesn't whoop any. <laughs> so it's it's a different look for Sherlock, but it's also an interesting kind of emotional turn for him too, because we we get to see him really care for somebody, and in other versions of Sherlock, it, that doesn't come as clear it's it's a more quirky kind of care that we see in others but this is more like you know this is a guy who who does love his sister it just takes him a while to figure that out you know of how to like really love somebody like that so do you think we'll see other enola films you think this is one of several or do you think or does it do anything else like to be do a tv thing or anything like that yeah, I mean, I think Millie Bobby Brown's like the producer on it. Um, she's pretty. She's like kind of Netflix's golden goose at this point. Um, probably anything she wants to do, they'll 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 give her money for it. So I would imagine if 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 it's popular, that there will be a sequel, at least one sequel, um, and it probably should be a series because it, it lends itself to that. It kind of it 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 digs into like a real a real life history when it, there's like. One of the mysteries is about it involves like a reform bill and women's suffrage in 1884 in London, which was like a real life act, you know, that that was passed to expand, you know, voter rights to women and others. So um, I, I feel like if they took that kind of template and kind of made made like more of her cases and based them kind of in real life, like it doesn't have to be like Jack the Ripper or something, but you know, something maybe obscure. That you can Google and be like, oh, that's kind of interesting how they weave in some real life history into it. I think that would be kind of cool for for like a kids franchise like this for tweens and teens, where you can get you can get a little um, history in there, but also you have like the kick ass young girl heroine and action adventure and stuff like that. So let's talk Sherlock in general because you know obviously we've seen Sherlock portrayed 
in movies, TV, everything in so many different forms. So, you know, we've all had our own experiences with Sherlock Holmes. Um, so let's start here. Let's start with Kelly. Um, who's your favorite version of Sherlock and why? Um, if you had asked me before the pandemic, I probably would have said Benedict Cumberbatch. But um, one of the things I watched these past six million months um, has uh, was Elementary, uh, which is something I always wanted to get around to but now I had the time um and at first I didn't want to watch it because it took place in New York and I was like why but um uh I ended up really liking it and I liked Johnny Lee Miller's interpretation of the character and then his arc over the course of the seasons it is much more about um Sherlock in recovery um probably not in Enola Holmes but in many versions of Sherlock he is a drug addict um and I think putting him in uh, the modern era elementary decided to like focus on that. Whereas like Sherlock, the British version with Benedict Cumberbatch is kind of like, Oh yeah, he does drugs sometimes. But the starting point of elementary is that he's finished rehab and his Watson is Lucy Liu. And she is a sober companion for him trying to help him um, stay sober, obviously. Um, But it moves along from there very quickly. Um, But I just find him to be like completely not physically intimidating, not as, like, brusquely handsome as Benedict Cumberbatch. He is just kind of a... He's a little weaselly to start, and he's he's coming from this very low place, and he has to, like, build himself back up again over the course of the whole series. And he has to, like, work on himself because that's what recovery is about. And so I think it ends up being a very slow but also, like, more emotional Holmes because of that, because it's really... The whole show is just about recovery. Um... So I actually really liked it, and I think um, he and Lucy Liu had such great dynamic, and obviously it's one of the, despite the fact that they are still called Sherlock, he's still British, he, you know, still is talking about his deduction and all of his things. It is quite a bit of a twist, because Watson is gender-flipped, it's in New York, it's in modern times, so um, I, I am quite a fan. So Brian, who's your pick? Uh, I'll have to go with the batch. I, I I just I I do like what they did with that show, just in general, not just the character. I do like the like what Kelly said. I do appreciate the gender flip of of Elementary, and I and I like the Americanization of it a little bit because if like if if America's tried to do like Sherlock, like the British version, of it would just be a disaster. Um, but I, but I, the the British version of Sherlock is so good because it 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 not only takes those characters, but it takes all of of Sherlockdom, you know, all of the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stuff, characters, settings, cases, books, you know, everything about that, and it plays with it and kind of creates something fresh and new and and just like we haven't seen before i mean kind of we, we've seen like the the super detectives and you know we you know again like you know sherlock's been a thing you know sherlock's influenced a lot of stuff but to see a sherlock like that who is who is so peculiar who is like so unlikable and like leans into it so much that he kind of comes around the bend to being likable um in his own way i think that i think it's just it's just genius, and I think the fact that like you add Martin Freeman as as John Watson, who's like who's a veteran, you know, he's he he's he's seen some stuff, and he sees even more stuff in a different way, you know, with with Sherlock, and he's like this loyal companion, even though 
you know, there's parts of them that like, you know, there, there's a, there's a yin and yang to them and like, they don't get along. And like, there's so many times when, when Watson should be just like, this guy, I need to, you know, I'm going to go home to my wife and go away and, you know, do something else. But I think the call to heroism is there and he kind of puts up with it and then comes around. Obviously they are friends, but I think, you know, for Watson doing the right thing is, is of utmost importance too. So I feel like it does a lot of interesting things with, with the legacy and there's no better like villain than, than Andrew Scott's Moriarty. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, everybody loves Killmonger and, you know, a lot of the Marvel villains and stuff, but I, I don't know if there's a better villain that I've seen in like a decade or so than that guy. He wasn't even a hot priest yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, <laughs> priest kind of ruins it for me a little bit because, <laughs> because it's just like because he is i mean like that that character is just so magnetic and so evil and just so so you know moriarty i mean it's just like it's what you think of moriarty but like turned up to like 13 and just like how evil that dude is and it's just it's it's so good i always i never was big into Sherlock in in a lot of forms, but the one that always got me was the Sherlock Holmes movie from two. I think it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, with Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. playing Sherlock, and then Jude Law was uh, Watson. I always liked that movie. I always liked Robert Downey Jr. playing that role because he kind of, you know, again the limited exposure I had to Sherlock Holmes, I always felt he was kind of this very buttoned up, stuffy British detective type guy, and. Seeing him in this very different perspective, you know, I felt, I, it, from what I remember the movie, I felt like the drug use played a big part in kind of his role there. And, and it was almost to the point where it was getting in the way of him being a good detective. And I kind of liked that element of his character where it was like he was a great detective, but he also was kind of getting in his own way. And I thought that was a, kind of an interesting perspective on his character. Um, and I just thought Robert Downey Jr., his performance in general was really good. Um, but I always liked that movie, and I I never saw the the sequel, but I know the first one was I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had heard kind of mixed reviews about it, but the first one I really liked, and yeah, I just thought their chemistry was was really good. Jude Law, I know from the movie Jude Law and his fiance that was a big part of it because he was trying to get married, and so he you know he's trying to balance all that. So it was uh yeah, but I really liked it, and I thought it was really good. Speaking of Watson, though, um, what's your favorite Watson, Kelly? We'll start with you. Um. I really like Lucy Liu, and I also really like Martin Freeman. It's kind of a toss-up. One of the things I really also like about Elementary is that, like, there's lots of, like, fan fiction written about, like, Sherlock and Watson, and then, like, also Sherlock and Moriarty. And one of the things I liked about Elementary is that they were just like, well, what if? And they gender-flipped both roles. So Moriarty becomes Sherlock's ex-lover, and Watson is his platonic still, but a woman um, in the role. And I think it, uh, it added a lot to that. But I also think Martin Freeman did a lot with, like, Watson being a straight man next to Benedict Cumberbatch just, like, going. I was making a hand gesture, but this is a podcast. Um, But it was a wild hand gesture to indicate that wild, curly-haired man. Um, So I really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, when that started, none of us knew as much about who Benedict Cumberbatch was. Uh, That was sort of his really big breakout. And so Martin Freeman was there to sort of, like be the audience surrogate, take us through. Um, and I think he did that very well. And, you know, I love him from The Office UK and all of his other things. 
So, uh, Brian, what's your pick for Watson? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be Freeman. I, I actually, I, tell, I forgot that Nat, Natalie Dormer was um, the Moriarty in elementary. I watched Natalie Dormer in pretty much anything. Yeah, she kind of um, like doesn't she, come back at the end of the show. I think probably because she was on Game of Thrones and like now CBS's elementary was wasn't a priority for her anymore and so they have to write around the not. fact that she like never returns and she gets like a deputy who is like also a very attractive woman to like you know say seductive evil things <laughs> yeah but she yeah I, I, I did like her in that but um but yeah Freeman I think is my favorite Watson and like like I said I think there's you know Kelly's Kelly hit on the head with you know he's the audience surrogate because because pretty much he's the most, you know, when that show's aired, he's like the most famous name. See, you know, he's the recognizable face we go on the adventures with. Um, but there's there's a lot of levels to him. You know, the the fact that he's a veteran, a war veteran. You know, the fact that he, him and, um, you know, Cumberbatch's Sherlock do not get along for a long time. You know, there there is a there is a, um, you know, as a steep learning curve to getting those two really on the same page which is which i mean that that's fun to watch but it's also like it's it's also realistic because i mean if there was this detective who was this much of a like you know a chaotic weirdo and then like this war veteran who's like you know wants to be again wants to be a hero again you know they're they're not gonna get they're not gonna get along in the first hour it's gonna take a long time and i feel like that was kind of a cool realistic buddy friendship thing that we don't often get to see um so i i just think there's there's a lot there's a lot of layers to that to that watson that that other other versions don't have mm-hmm. so you know sherlock has obviously also influenced a lot of pop culture um what what are some of your favorite pop culture that is influenced by sherlock this kind of it's like thinking of like the genius detective and their sidekick even if it's not like a sherlock and watson are there ones that jump out to either of you yeah, I like have this is like a thing with me. Like every time there's a new detective show where it's like someone who is not a police officer, but he works with the police and he has a sidekick, and that sidekick works in the medical field in some way. Um, like Psych and Monk are the two biggest examples. Because um, like Monk's sidekick is his nurse. Well, then he changes mid season because that woman left the show. But then, and then um, Dulé Hill on Psych is a uh, pharmaceutical sales rep. Um, and, but yeah, the point. You know, we like this idea that there is like this genius who um, can solve things that the police can't and who is just smarter than them. And it's a little bit like the rogue cop who doesn't play by the rules, except like very, very polite um, and prim. Um, And so, yeah, I love Psych and um, I think it is like, you know, a direct riff on it. And I've always really liked that about that show. Brian, any shows or movies jump out to you? So I was a fan of Castle for a while until it got stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I think that's kind of that's uh, that's an interesting take on on the um, the Sherlock model in terms of like you know having having like the you know the agent of chaos and the straight person you know straight man straight woman around them. Um, it's like it's like if you put like Sherlock and Moonlighting together, you know I think that I think that's pretty much Castle. Um, Luther, I think it's, it's not quite the same thing as Sherlock, but I think the, the law, the, the rogue kind of law enforcement officer that, that really kind of scratches that itch really cool with Idris Elba. Um, Broadchurch, I think is a, is a, is an interesting 
take on that model that's very, very serious. And there's not there's not a lot of um, I I mean the British version I I, I don't really love the English version, um, but that kind of also that that's a very serious d- doesn't really get jokey in terms of of that Sherlock model, um, and I I really like the um the in terms of books and stuff that that do kind of have to do with Sherlock, the Charlotte Holmes series I'm I, I'm a fan of because that kind of it it takes that model and puts it into a young adult series, you know, a young adult book where, you know, Charlotte Holmes is the great great granddaughter. I, I can't even remember how many greats, but like, you know, she's she's a teenager and she's like she's she's into drugs. She's absolutely nuts. She's very much that kind of like core Sherlock. And then Watson is this is is also a teenager and like you don't know if and it, much of it's seen through him because he doesn't know if he should like she should be his best friend. Should they team up? It goes. It gets really into like kind of the legacy of Sherlock rather than the actual characters. It's more about kind of like family legacy and do you do what you're supposed to, you know do you do what you're supposed to do or do you do you know follow your own path um, or you know do you fate versus you know free will and things like that. So I think I think that's uh, that's a really interesting. Thing I hope hopefully that gets made as a TV show because I I watched out of that. What was that one called? It's called the Charlotte Holmes series, but it's it's very it's it again takes it it takes a lot of the 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 cases and and whole legacy and puts it like into now with like a couple teenagers and like the Moriarty's like are a family of like criminals and and maybe you know few of them aren't as bad as the other ones, but like a few of them are like you know bad bad and so it extrapolates you know the original characters into like let's imagine their whole like family timelines and and trees and stuff till now what does that all look like and how does that inform the characters who come who who are relatives of sherlock and watson what are they going to be like how do they react to you know the legacy Uh, you know who who are they who are they are they are they you know, their predecessors or are they, you know, individuals? So I think it's a really interesting identity exercise that, you know, a lot of young adult books get into that, but it, it takes, it, it, it takes something we all know and t- and puts it in a different direction and a cool direction. So why is it we are so fascinated with Sherlock stories? Um, I mean, I think the obvious thing that jumps out is, you know, everybody loves mystery. I mean, if a really good mystery, um, and I think part of it too is you know depending on the char- the actors that you get to portray both these characters, a lot of the chemistry and back and forth plays a big part of that too. Um, but wh- you know why do you think that we all love Sherlock type shows and movies so much? Um, <laughs> I think we all need a hero. I, I think it just kind of comes down to it. I mean, why why do why do we love Avengers movies? You know, why, I, mean, I think I think we all love heroes, but I think the fact of like. Sherlock is just a dude. It's like it's like why we like John McClane going back to Die Hard. I think I think we are, even though Sherlock is like really smart and he's really good at finding clues and he can play the violin really well and he like he has all these, you know he has his skill set that is not normal. He is not not like a superhero. He is just a, a dude who's really good at some stuff and that some stuff has to do with like solving crimes and other in other parts of his life. He's kind of terrible. Um, 
And I think I think we're all kind of like that. We all kind of do some good stuff, and then you know other parts of our life, we, you know, could get better. And I think I think, and he and so you know Doyle was doing that before it was cool. So I think I think the fact of like we've always needed those kind of heroes, and and I think that's why he's kind of stood the test of time, and why we you know we we you know, he's also in the public domain. So that that, that there was is it. that. I think <laughs> Kelly was going to get into that. You know that that helped. <laughs> you know you don't have to pay like somebody a bunch of money to do a Sherlock thing. Um, but we all know that archetype. The Sherlock is an archetype. And you know we can we can now say that there, there's a Captain America archetype or there's a Spider-Man archetype, but there was a Sherlock archetype before any of that. So, so there's been generations that know that kind of thing. So you can pull that kind of thing into a lot of different places and influences. And every so often you come back to Sherlock and remind people, oh hey, you know this is where it all began. And then you get you get things like the Sherlock series or Elementary or you know, or a book uh, or some kind of book thing that kind of revisit it in a new way for a different generation and kind of reminds us that like, you know, sometimes we need the ordinary heroes too. And, you know, because they're kind of like us. Um, yes. I was going to bring up that it's in the public domain, but what I will say is besides the fact that, you know, Hollywood and publishers don't, it's much easier to make a Sherlock story than it is to make something where you have to pay or the artist, the original artist has a lot of say, um, or their estate, um, I think it's also sort of like it becomes this more modern fairy tale kind of character. Like there are a million Cinderella stories and that kind of thing. And, you know, because it's been able to be talked about from other perspectives for so long, um, it has this sort of like legend status, as a, even though there are the original books by Arthur Conan Doyle that we can go look back to. But now it's like part of, you know, a more modern cultural zeitgeist and it's not going away in part because Hollywood is cheap and in part because it keeps working. And I think that's why Enola Holmes is good though, because it takes from the Sherlock legacy, but it is somebody that's totally different. I mean, it, it you know, the, she shares the same last name, but there is, there is a way to make that original to be like, okay, this girl's going to go on her own adventure. You know, Sherlock can kind of be, I don't know, a sidekick or, you know, I don't know what you call him, you know, just kind of like, the Nick Fury or something for, but like there, there's a way to kind of like do something kind of original and fresh and not just kind of do the same Sherlock kind of story over and over again. And I think that's kind of, that's a really cool way to kind of take the things that we all know is just like spin them off in a really interesting way and make them their own things without having to keep, keep going back to like Sherlock and Watson over and over again, even though recently we have had, cool adaptations of that all right so let's stop right here um listeners it's your turn uh are you gonna watch enola holmes uh who's your favorite sherlock let's talk about it on twitter you can find us at mothership pod or you can tweet at us individually i'm at brett molina 23 i'm at brian truitt and i'm at klals k-l-a-w-l-s and don't forget you can email us to mothership pod at usatoday.com uh that'll do it thanks so much for listening special thanks to our pilot slash producer of the mothership natalie boyd if you like the pod and don't want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. We love the feedback. You get a shout out on the next episode. Everybody wins. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Later. <laughs>